Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me again today. Here's something fun. The website I use to move my podcast from production to the end platforms like Apple and Spotify sends me a year in review, and for whatever reason, I just got around to looking at it today. Some interesting tidbits. My second most popular city is Miami, which kind of surprised me because I don't think I know anyone who works or lives there. So whoever's been promoting this podcast in Miami, thank you. Also, the podcast was downloaded in 22 countries last year, and that blows my mind. The top two episodes downloaded were Time Management and Get Your Shit Done. That one didn't really surprise me because those ones are pretty high yield. But let's get into today's topic because it's a meaty one. If you're not in medicine, this episode is still exactly as useful for you as it is for the docs. All you have to do is substitute patients for clients or family members or neighbors or whatever. The concepts are the same for any of those. This topic comes up a ton in my coaching. The increasing demands of patients is pretty widely cited as a contributor to burnout, not as much as other demands are cited, but it makes the list. My personal belief is that it's not that clear-cut. I think the interplay between our perceptions of what patients are requesting and burnout is a chicken-and-egg scenario. Are the demands really fueling the burnout? Or do we view them as unreasonable because we're already burned out? It's probably a little of both. Either way, it's a problem for a lot of folks. And by the way, there's a reason that I use terms like folks and sometimes y'all. As you know, I'm a Midwesterner, and in the Midwest, we use the word guys as interchangeable with people. A lot of Midwesterners would argue that guys is a gender-neutral term, especially when it's you guys. It just means all of you that I'm speaking to. But a couple of years ago, I was at a conference and one of the speakers said, if you think guys is a gender neutral term, ask yourself if you would ask a straight man how many guys he slept with. Well, that point really hit home. So ever since then, I've tried to eliminate you guys from public speaking. And a little side benefit of that is if you think it sounds a little strange for a non-Southern person to say y'all, well, the plural possessive of y'all is y'alls, which makes sense. The plural possessive of you guys is, as Midwesterners say, your guys's. And yes, I've said that phrase in the past. I'm not proud of it, but I'm trying to move on. But to get back on track, the first thing I want to say on the topic of demanding patience is that if you're here looking for some patient bashing or medical practice policy bashing, you're in the wrong place. I'm not here to be your ringleader of discontent. I'm here to teach you the opposite. But equally important, and stay with me, the patients and the policies are not the problem. This is the point where, in a coaching session, the client usually gets a little angry and wants to either convince me how much of a problem those things are, or be frustrated with me because they think I'm telling them they should just let people walk all over them and not be upset by it. It's all pretty predictable, and it's fine. It's all just part of the process. So if me telling you that the patients and the policies are not the problem evoked a similar response in you, don't worry, it's normal. And don't worry, later on we'll get to exactly how and why you don't need to convince me that I'm wrong. 
But the reason these things create emotions you don't really like is because of how you're thinking about them. Let's do an example. I'm guessing that most of us have patient portals. The patient portal is a big source of docs thinking their patients are being too demanding. The frustration or anger or annoyance or whatever comes from the fact that a patient, or it might seem all the patients, feel the portal is for a certain level of access to their provider, and the doc thinks they should have a different level of access. Now, different medical practices have different rules and expectations for what is a reasonable level of access, and even within those practices, the individual docs or other providers, of course, have their own ideas. This includes me. I definitely have my ideas about what's appropriate and what isn't, and as a medical director, I have some expectations about what my providers do and do not provide for their patients. When I'm coaching on the topic, though, I have zero opinion about what level of access is right or wrong. The person I'm coaching could have wildly different ideas than my own, but I'm not going to try and convince them that my way is better and will cause them less burnout. So let's do a really specific example. A patient has a CBC, and in your lab, the lower limit of normal for a hemoglobin is 12.0, and the patient's hemoglobin is 12.1. Normal, right? The patient sends their doc a message with a concern about why is their hemoglobin so low. They might even be asking for a phone call to explain it. The doc gets the message and has a thought like one of these. They shouldn't be bothering me to ask about a normal value. I shouldn't have to spend time typing a response. I definitely shouldn't have to do a phone call for this. The nurses should have handled this themselves. This shouldn't even be coming to me. And so on. Thoughts like these are usually going to evoke emotions like irritation, annoyance, indignation, which then create the actions of stewing about it and telling yourself all the reasons why this is wrong or unfair, thinking up other similar things about your job and your interactions with patients and staff that are also wrong and unfair. And the result is that you just spend a lot of time proving to yourself that you need to feel indignant or whatever the emotion was. There are people who cling to this. It's like it's their worldview. If you want to live that way, knock yourself out. I think most people listening really don't want to live their life in constant irritation or indignation, if they really think about it, because it's not a heck of a lot of fun. And that's why you're here. But you see the common thread of all those thoughts is the word should. Things should be different. But they aren't. You're fighting reality, and unfortunately, reality tends to keep on being reality no matter how much you fight it. Now, as a sidebar, some of you are feeling a little uncomfortable with the thoughts that I volunteered and thinking that people who think like that are not the most empathetic doctors. And some are feeling especially uncomfortable because they have had thoughts like these and aren't terribly proud of it and would prefer that they had empathy all the time. Please take a moment to remind yourself that you have upwards of 60,000 thoughts a day. Some of them are bound to be thoughts you'd rather not embrace. You have a human brain and this happens. Learning how to recognize and reject the unwanted ones is a process. Back to the topic. If I haven't 100% sold you on the idea that it's your thoughts creating those feelings rather than the situation itself, Remember, we know this is true because there are so many different ways of handling the situation and thinking that your way is the right way. 
Some people would call that patient with no hesitation and no indignation. And some people would send the message back to the nurse pool with a standard please do XYZ phrase that they have built as an automatic response for this type of thing and not give the situation a second thought. Those people handled it in drastically different ways, and neither one of them had any internal drama about it. So clearly, it's not the situation. Okay, now that you're accepting that your thoughts are creating this experience that you'd rather not keep having, you've done the hard work. For real. The hard part, truly, is taking responsibility for why you're feeling lousy. The easy part is fixing it. My approach to this is to reverse engineer it a little. I like to start with deciding which action would be most congruent with your professional and personal values, then how you would need to feel to accomplish that action, and then you come up with a mantra that you can use to create that emotion. If you're someone who values efficiency and delegation highest, and you want these types of things to always go to your nurses to handle, you might need to feel something like detached control, and your mantra could be, I have excellent staff who can handle this for me. If you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum, where you value the relationship with the patient most highly, and you want to usually just make the call yourself, you'd probably need to feel understanding. And your mantra could be, they're asking me because they're worried and it will be so easy for me to help them. And so on for all of the myriad ways of handling the situation in between those two examples. The key point is drop the drama. It's unnecessary and unhelpful. When your brain offers you the annoyance-provoking thoughts again, which it will, especially at first, you can diffuse it a whole lot faster if you're able to remind yourself, look, I already know what I'm going to do here. I know what my actions are going to be, so just drop that drama. Two closing points. One, if the action that's most congruent for your own personal and professional values is not in line with the policies of your workplace— so you're feeling like you can't even complete this exercise because it's not possible for you, go back and listen to episode 72. I got you covered. And lastly, keep in mind that you reserve the right to change your mind over time. You might handle things a certain way for a long time and feel great about it, and then later find that maybe your values have shifted a little. Not a problem. You get to decide when and why changing your thoughts and actions is the right thing to do. Most of us are constantly evolving creatures, so it only makes sense to update our mantras and actions to match that evolution. That's it for today. As always, thanks for joining me. And thanks again to 22 countries of listeners who tuned in in 2023. Hope to see you all back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.